Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. So just kind of... <laughs> yeah, we're back. Let's rewind. I don't know, you know, after, after, I don't know how long we've been doing this. Quite a while now. Yeah, it's been like five years. I don't know why I can't click the record button as soon as we start talking. (laughs) But uh, one day I'll learn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, how was your Saturday? Man, so, oh, that's that's funny you should ask. Um, Saturday was good. See, in the morning, Mm -hmm. I got to wrestle your son, which was fun because... He's getting, it's not there yet, but in the next like year or two, it's going to be like, oh, I can't mess around anymore. I, I have to take him <laughs> serious because it's, it's already like a marked difference between now and like a year ago, like just in terms of strength and skill and stuff like that. And so I think like in another year or two, like when he put that North South choke on me yesterday, it was like, ooh, that's like a real threat. I mean, like there's little gaps, but that's fixable very quickly. Cause it's already like the precision's almost there. And it's like, man, it's pretty crazy when that happens. And, you know, I, it, I hope that as that happens more in my life, like my nephews, uh, he turns eight, um, tomorrow and he's into jujitsu and he's, he's pretty good. I watched him in uh, nice. Florida a couple weeks ago and he's, he's small, he's, he's small four and eight year old. So he's, I mean, he's eight, so he's already small, but then he's already small for the age that he's at. But his dad's a big dude, so I think he's going to be a pretty good-sized kid. And I know there will come that point where it's like, well, I can't like mess around with this anymore. And then I know there will come that point where it's like, yeah, I can't do anything to this kid anymore. <laughs> and I, I hope that like, I hope I'm cool about it. I think that I will be. I'd like to think so, but then I'm like, you know, yeah. you know, I'd like to think that my ego is is okay. But I'm like, well, who's telling me that? Who's saying that my ego's my <laughs> ego's telling me that it's tricking me? So, um, but yeah, no, it's it's always fun. Uh, then you and I got to do some training, which was awesome. Um, and then, uh, so my wife does yoga at a place called um, YTX, and that's where she got her yoga certifications for her teacher training. And then she did teacher teacher training, so now she can teach is people. That, teachers. Is that that's downtown Austin? It's downtown. Yeah, it's like Fourth and um, Brazos area. Okay. So it's one of the many places that's like one of the last holdouts to like when I first moved to Austin, like that stuff was there and it's scheduled to be demoed sometime in the next couple months. They're moving the, mm-hmm. they're moving the studio and all that, but all those, there's like these two story uh, apartment or condos across the street, that whole like block is getting leveled wow. and turned into something else. Cause that's, and so that sort of led me to what I was telling you was that most Saturdays, she does yoga down there. And a lot of times I'll go down there and I'll, I'll um, go drink some tea and do some reading or work or whatever. And it's like a weird thing. I'm trying to spend more time downtown. I used to live downtown, you know, 16, 17 years ago. And I had very fond memories of downtown. It's just sort of that time period of life and um, just where Austin was as a city at the time. And I am sort of making myself go down there like once a week or so just to try and like there, cause there's part of me that misses what it was. 
And, and then there's the other part of me goes like, okay, old man, um, places change. You, you should accept that and, and embrace that. Um, and so it's like sort of a way of trying to re enjoy a town that like for a long time I liked. And then for the last couple of years, I maybe haven't liked as much. And now I'm like, why am I not liking it? You know what I mean? Just because it's isn't changed. that a common, and, and what I find so interesting about that is that it's a common theme. Like you yeah. see books written about it. You see movies written about it. You see TV shows. I mean, you yep. watch Yellowstone, right? Yeah. It's about this uh, idea of, I don't want, I, I remember how something was. I yes. never ever want it to change. Yeah. And, and to me, you know, as I get older, I, I start to feel, I start to say those things that I said I would never say that my dad said, right? Like, what's wrong with these kids today? What kind of, you know, and, but when you really think about it, if the, everything is going to change and if you can't accept that, then how can you ever be happy? Because you will never control you, you, you'll, things will never, you'll never be able to hold on to something and just keep it the way it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, you know, it's a weird thing, too, because I think that I'm looking at the idea of things changing differently as I get older, because I think I'm realizing that it's it's not necessarily I, I don't know if people miss certain places. I think they just kind of miss the idea of being young. And I think that when people talk about something changing, they're thinking about how they were in that place when they were young. And I maybe they think they miss that. Because it's like, you know, when I think about downtown Austin, it kind of used to suck. Like I'm sitting there thinking like there weren't really weren't many good places to eat in terms of me having my delightful tea. There's like 20 times more places now for that. I remember um, downtown Austin it, 20 years ago. Yeah, it, and was, it was not I that great. Agree with you, yeah. Yeah. So it's like I, I'm like, what am I reminiscing about? Am I just reminiscing about being in my early 30s now that I'm in my late 40s? Is that what it is? You know, where it's like, oh, there's all these young people now. Well, I was one of those young people once. I mean, like, it, it's it's like this weird thing of, like, you want to freeze things in time. And then, like, you start looking at it. And it's like, well, that is that is ridiculous. That's, like, a way to be miserable. And in my mind, it's like, I live here. So I want to continue to enjoy it. And if part of it, you know, that was keeping me mentally from enjoying it was being like, oh, well, this place has changed. It's like, well, maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to change in terms of enjoying it. And I mean, man, like last week, that's just it, a sto that's sh such a stoic idea, too. Right. Because it's it goes back to. You are powerless as long as you're allowing like external yeah. things to control you. Right. Yeah. But you get all the power back to you once you're like, OK, I can't change anything outside of me. Yeah. The only thing I do have control over is myself. Yeah. And, and it's like I'm just it's actually been really fun. And I, I found a place that I really like. Um, and it's just like, I literally just go there for like an hour and like, just go read a little bit. And it's just sort of my way of sort of bit by bit, um, enjoying the city again. And I think I told you, I got a buddy coming from out of town on oh, yeah. Friday. He's staying downtown at the four seasons. So it's like, you know, maybe we'll walk the hike and bike a little bit, walk downtown a little bit. And it's like, just sort of enjoy it for what it is. I mean, it's not what it was, but why not enjoy it for what it is? Like, it's like a weird, I know, cause you're, you're, I agree. Like I never thought I would be the kind of person that was like, oh, I'm stuck in my ways. Like I never thought I'd be that kind of person. And then I'm like, dude, I'm kind of doing that. 
I'm kind of doing that when I'm like, oh, this place has changed. It's so lame. And we almost set up these biases now that I'm looking at it from the outside looking in, right? Like this idea of like, okay, it's never going to be what it was, but I'll, I'll, I'll still enjoy it for what it is. Who's yeah. to say what it is isn't better than what it was? That's, I agree. I agree. And that's, that's what I was thinking because I'm like, you know, the difference is now it's a real city. Like all of a sudden it's like a real city. It's like one of the 10 biggest cities in the country. Um, it's a more international city. And that's actually why I like it, that one place. For whatever reason, it seems like a lot of people that are visiting come to it because it's like it's uh, right on Congress and the Frost Building. So that's a very sort of touristy type part of town. And you'll hear people speak in all different languages. You'll hear people from all over the country, all over the world. And it didn't used to have that very much. I mean, it was like, you know, oh, is this where they shot Dazed and Confused? Cool, man. I mean, like, yeah, it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't. A, I wouldn't say that Austin was an international city when I first moved here. So it's kind of cool to see that now you see something that's grown up and it's like, you know, you got a lot of good with that. And, and I think that why not focus on the good part of it? Because it's like, yeah, there's OK, there's bad part, but there was bad part before. Like there's new bad part because it's more like bigger city bad part. But it's like there's a lot of new good part, too. So sure. just kind of focusing in on that. So that's been good. I love that. One of my favorite things to do and I and I love I love to do what you and I share, obviously, a lot of common interest. And I and I love to go out and sit by myself, drink a cup of coffee, read a book. But one of the things for me, um, from a business perspective, especially being in apparel and um, fashion stuff like that, yeah, I love to people watch. Yeah, when when I'm people watching it, that's where a lot of ideas and inspirations will come mm. from because I'll get in tune with. What is the what? What's the trend right now? What do people yeah. want? How, how are the uh, as we say the kids acting nowadays? What's the lingo that they're using? Yeah. What's the music that they're listening to? Yeah. And, and you just get into that vibe, that energy, and then you just I I don't know I just start coming up with you know these ideas, and then me and Salia will talk about them, and we'll uh, we'll have a, kind of our next, our next collection or our next drop oh. or something like that. That's interesting. Yeah, so I, I thought about I, that. I love That's it. Great yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of it's a way of keeping my finger on the pulse, right? Yeah. Okay. And you're so right about that. If you're just like, well, things are just never the way you you know they're they're not like how they were in the past. So right. I'm just going to stay in my home yeah. and not interact. It's yeah. like you're completely taking your finger off the pulse. And once you do that, um, from a business from a life perspective, yeah. right? Yeah, you're disengaged. Really, yeah, a hundred percent, you're disengaged, and yeah. you can't be disengaged when you're involved in business. You have no. to be. You yeah you have to know because the whole thing is you're problem solving for the consumer and yep. if you don't know who your consumers are nowadays yeah. and what they want um, then you might as well be out of business yeah no you're totally right and it, and it's funny because um, like I said before um, it was so funny that I I was kind of one foot out the door I was like okay you know my brother-in-law's moved to Florida my wife wants to be close by him that's where we're gonna head. And then as soon as he moved there, the hurricane hit like six weeks later. I'm like, it's a sign from God that we're not <laughs> supposed to move there. And as soon as, as soon as that happened, I was like, man, I'm right. Like I'm both feet in back here again. And I'm like, that's the way to live. Even if you're like, okay, maybe in a few years I'll do whatever. It's like, okay, fine. But that's in a few years. Like you can't live with like one foot in one foot out on something. Cause it's, you're not going to be happy or engaged or present or whatever it might be. And it's funny. Um, so I made two offers on properties on land this week. Um, one is a commercial property that I see 
like the best combination of things that I want. The city's is scheduled to do big infrastructure improvements on that property. The owner is being weirdly stubborn about said infrastructure things, even though they would make that property way more valuable. The broker is like a residential broker, so doesn't know what they're talking about when it comes to commercial stuff. Um, and it's sort of a peculiar shape, but I think there's a way to make what I have in mind work. So it's like, it's got all the elements of like, Ooh, this could be a really good deal. Um, so we're kind of going back and forth right now. And then the other thing I made an offer on, I'm literally looking at right now, which is the lot next door to me, which used to be a house. And I think I told you long ago, there was a woman like squatting in the house for a while and it was a whole big thing. And I had made multiple offers to the owner of that home over the years. And she just never like, she always wanted crazy prices and it just never happened. So these guys bought it. They tore the house down. Um, I was annoyed that they got the house because like, I was annoyed that I wasn't even told that she was selling it. It's like, I wanted a chance to buy it. I had done a lot of stuff for this woman over the years. So I was a little pissed. Try not to be personal about these things, but it's like, I'm looking at it right now. It's hard not to be personal about where you live. Absolutely. So, they buy this thing in February. Now, February, almost a year ago, man, things were sitting pretty in the residential world. So things, homes were selling in a week for $100,000 more than you asked for it. Da, 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 more da, than da. that. Oh, yeah. And so I, I, bought a, I bought a deal in February, a commercial deal. And it was like, the bank is like, Mr. Fisk, what can we do for you? Just put down a time, just put down a penny. We don't care. Here you go. Here's the money. All that. So that's when these guys bought this thing. But by April, the bank is like, what was your name again? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, we're going to need about 45% down and it's no more interest only and all that. Like the bank's behavior totally changed. And that bled to guys like this that were trying to knock down houses and build what you call a spec home, which is where you just build a home um, on speculation, basically, and hope that you can sell it. So you're not building it for somebody specific. Banks just stopped lending on that. So as soon as that started happening, like, hmm, because I would see these guys around and it's like the older guy and the son and the son's real like mouthy about stuff. And I'm like, I don't like you. You clearly like this is not your business. It's your old man's business. And you're being a little smart ass. And I don't like you. So I kept feeling that feeling. And, and months went on and I'm like and they're like, oh, yeah, we've got these plans. We're going to build this house. I'm like, no, you're not. So about a month ago, a for sale sign went up on the front lawn like for a broker and the price they wanted was literally almost two times what I paid for this house. They want just for the land. And I'm like, okay, we'll see how this works. So 30 days go by, they drop the price by like 40 grand or whatever. And so I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, I know what I am willing to pay. I'm just going to email the broker now and let her know. I will pay this price. I will do this in seven days. I have funds like, you let me know. So that was a couple hours ago. I've not heard back yet, but um, I'm like, I, I, for the right price, would like this property. If not you want to do anything on it, but yeah, and that's that would be my next question. If you successfully acquire the property, what what would be your plans for it? Um, it's possible, like, because I mean, Chantel's always wanted. She's like, oh, it'd be so great to build a house. So it's possible we would do that at some point. But the way I look at it right now. Oh, interesting. You would build well, your home and then maybe. the home that you're living in. Yeah, okay. That, But that would be a possibility, yeah. That's a possibility. Um, or the idea is that, like, let's say in a couple of years we do decide we want to move to Florida. It's like, 
well, now I could sell this house and the empty lot next to it. Um, those two as a package would be appealing for the right person. There's that idea. Um, there's the idea of building a home, um, living in this home till that home is done, moving into that home, then demoing this home and building another home and then selling both of them and moving to Florida. There's that idea. Mm. Um, I think that if you can get something right now for what was a reasonable price a couple years ago, I think it's a good it's a good time to get something because of all the things I just said. Banks aren't lending, all this kind of stuff. And people had plans that made perfect sense a year ago that are just not going to happen now and probably not going to happen at least for this year. Um, so it's like one of those things. It's like you, I could just hold on to that for a couple years and be able to sell it for a lot more than I would pay for it. And you know uh, what's really interesting to me is because I, I, I don't remember a time – I just maybe haven't been along uh, – uh, been alive long enough, but I don't remember a time because what seems to be happening right now is that obviously um, you you have the the federal government trying to temper inflation, right? And obviously this has led to all the stuff that they're doing with interest rates, and then has a domino effect on lending. Yep. So, but at the same time, what is seems to unique to me is that there is still a housing shortage. Yeah. Yeah, so especially I, especially in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering how that fits in. It may just be a good opportunity for people that have cash on hand so. and don't need so. banks. Yeah, because it, it's one of those things that, um, you know, even though obviously tech is Amazon laid off like 19,000 people, Facebook laid off like 12,000 people within the last few weeks. So there's been big layoffs for those companies, but there's still at least if you're in a town like we're in where a lot of people are moving here, like no matter what, um, I think that momentum will overcome the decline, but it may take, it may take a couple years. Who knows? I mean, it may take five years. Um, I don't think it's going to take that long, but it might. So yeah, if you can buy something now, most people can't afford to buy something right now. And the people that bought things a year ago, probably weren't anticipating that or weren't anticipating it would happen this fast and aggressive because they've been talking about raising interest rates forever, but it's only the last, it's been less than a year when I think it was March of last year, maybe February of last year when they started raising them. And they, they have never raised them so aggressively fast, I think mm -hmm. in history, or at least in the last like 40 years. So I don't think people were anticipating that because that's something that just like you say it so many times as the boy who cried wolf. So, oh yeah, sure. You're going to raise interest rates, whatever. And then they did. You're like, oh, and then they did again. You're like, whoa, like then they did like aggressively like, wow. Okay. This guy's not messing around. So, um, I don't think people were anticipating that because people always look at something as like, oh, I got this for this and now it'll sell for this, but they never think about money costs, the cost of money. And, and I always say like, you know, when money's cheap or when money's expensive. Money's getting very expensive right now, which means that people can't afford to pay as much for something because they're not going to qualify. It's too much money down because they're going to acquire more money down and then it's more money every month. So and a lot of, and when we're talking about um, your, um, I don't even know how to say it, your basic middle class uh, uh, American, um, a lot of them don't view things how kind of an entrepreneur or a business person would view yeah. things, right? Like yeah. um, ROIs and stuff like that. They 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 base they make monetary decisions, especially when it comes to um, buying a house. Yeah. On what is my monthly payment going to be? Kind of yeah. like a car, right? How much down, how they much never 
They yep. never, that's why the salesman, when you go to buy a car, the salesman talks about, hey, what's the payment you can afford? And you yes. should never negotiate that way. Yes. You always negotiate on the bottom line of yes. what the car is, right? But your, 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 you know, your, your person that's living from check to check doesn't view it that way. It's like, what can I afford every yeah. month? Yeah. And you're right. When the interest rates go up, it's like what was affordable two years ago is not the same. You know, if what, what I'm paying right now in my mortgage would be almost double yeah. um, if yeah. I had bought it like yesterday. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. And so that creates an interesting situation where, you know, somebody may be underwater on something. They may owe more money than the property's worth, which we oh, saw in 2008. They bought something a year and a half, two years ago on an adjustable rate. That's that's starting to kick in too, which is crazy because everybody swore up and down after 2009, oh, we'll never do arms again, adjustable rate mortgages. Like, oh, that'll never happen again. And then it started happening almost immediately after that. And then it turned into like, it's, oh, it's a two-year teaser rate. I'm like, good Lord. Like, apparently nobody learned anything. Okay, fair enough. So, because <laughs> it's just, it's always this idea of, oh, you can always sell or you the can always refinance. That's right, like teaser. that's like drug dealer talk. Right it is. There. I know. It's it's literally like commercials <laughs> back in the eighties when he's like, you give it to him for free, and then we see who comes back. Exactly. Like that's you know <laughs> obviously they didn't see that commercial, otherwise they wouldn't do that mistake. But um, but yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, and it's a lot of the same stuff I saw you know 13, 14 years ago. The only difference is I'm ready. That's the big <laughs> difference. It's like I got way more money, I got way more experience, and I'm ready. Last time I wasn't ready. I was ready. I got out. Like I wasn't in a dangerous spot. I wasn't exposed, but I wasn't prepared to take advantage of it. Like I was a little bit with mobile homes and things like that, but but the way I can take advantage of it now is is vastly different. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like this is the reality of of life. I mean, if you're going to enjoy the wave of things going up, you have to be able to re- endure them when things go down because that's throughout history. That's always happens, and people. Like, it's like you get, people get on this high of things going up and they, they either don't have the life experience of them going down or they think like, oh, that was a fluke before that'll never happen again. It'll always happen again. So it's, I, I don't know. I, I'm, cause I'm, again, I'm trying not to be emotional about this, this deal Man, that I'm just looking at. The words out of, and I think that that's what, that's where most people, um, when you study on investing, yeah. um, like 90 to 99% of people are investing based off uh, emotion, right? So they're always buying at the all-time high. They're always selling at the all-time lows. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and that's that's why, you know, when you take a Warren Buffett mentality of investing, he studies the company. He looks at the company's cash flow. He looks at like, okay, because that to me is the real evaluation of stuff. Like when I start seeing about like, you know, different companies being evaluated at billions of dollars and they've literally never made any money at all. I understand the theory behind that, but I'm personally not comfortable with it. I don't understand. I, I, I don't, I don't even, I, I've never even researched on like, can somebody explain it to me? Well, because it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's theoretical. It's, like, how it's would totally they come up with numbers? Well, th- I think the thing is, is that it literally is an emotional play. It's it's getting enough people excited about an idea of something. And, and the argument will always so be- So you'd like, be buying the hype. Well, the argument would be, if you look at something like Amazon, like for a long time, Amazon was not making money, 
but eventually they captured up so many different markets. They started making their own products and eventually they did start making money. So it's like, if you get enough people invested in this company, enough users, eventually you'll start turning a profit. Um, and that's fine. Like that's for me. But it but, is a gamble though, right? Because it's, yeah. it's, there's no proof of concept. Yes. There's no, it's basically, you're like, I came up with this new technology. It's great. It's going to change the world. And the investor would have to believe enough in the technology to right. want to invest in it. But there's no proof there's that it's actually going to work or do anything or, you know, no. it, it could all go to zero. It could. And that, that's why, you know, the Warren Buffett model is more study the company, see the cash flow situation of the company, and then decide, is this company, you know, by whatever formula he, he does, is this company undervalued? If it is, it's worth buying into. And then if it's well, worth buying Well, a lot of the companies, you know, it's funny that you bring up Warren Buffett because I was just um, looking at a documentary on him. And a lot of the companies mm -hmm. he purchased early on to uh, accumulate his initial bankroll um, were these companies that exactly that they had um, either they had a ton of inventory yeah. um, that made them very profitable if you just sold the inventory. Yeah. But the people running the company didn't know how to either uh, utilize debt, things like that. Yeah. In other words, there were, um, uh, for example, there was a one, uh, there was a windmill company that they mm -hmm. had purchased at one point, very, very, very early on. I think even before he acquired Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. And um, successful company, I think they did irrig irrigation as well. But the people running the company didn't really know about cycles in the market, yeah. so they kept building windmills when there was no demand. Okay. which allowed, which forced them into this like heavy, heavy debt. And once they be, and once they had this heavy debt placed upon them, well, it created a very uh, great opportunity for Warren to be able to come in and um, invest at a value. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's, it's, um, what, but the numbers were black and white, like yeah. you're a hundred percent. Like the yeah. number spoke for itself. He's like, okay, this is the inventory they have. This is how much it's worth. Write yeah. down that number, right? Yeah. This is how much business they do every month. These are their existing reoccurring clients. Yeah. Write down these numbers. These numbers are real. They're tangible. They're yeah. not theoretical. Um, but because they may, they, they're, they're doing some things business-wise or management-wise, they could use a little bit of improvement, and yeah. that could turn the whole company around. Yep. Um, he knew that he could get it for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And that's, I mean, so that's why when you, when somebody like Buffett buys a company, he's not concerned that much with like the stock going up or down on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, because unless something of what you just talked about changes, so like something in the factor of the business itself changes, the stock price is almost irrelevant to a certain extent because you're invested in a company that still is a, a solid company with good fundamentals and stock prices are really more of a, for the most part, an emotional play by most people. So it's like, you know, okay, so right now, like you read a lot of bad press about like Tesla and Facebook and stuff like that. So it's like, what's happening? Like their stocks are plummeting. And it's like, well, are these just companies that have, you know, are their sales greatly declining? Are people advertising way less? I mean, on Facebook, yeah, I think maybe some, uh, there's, there's definitely some decline in revenue, but what people forget about Meta or Facebook is that they own Instagram, which is a huge moneymaker. They own WhatsApp. They own a lot of other companies besides 
well, they're not even called Facebook anymore besides Meta. So this idea of because one particular venture, like the virtual reality world or, or you know, the metaverse, they're like, oh, well, that's terrible and whatever. It's like, okay, maybe it's not ready for prime time yet, or maybe this particular venture, this particular way of doing it may not work. But just because a company tries something and it doesn't work doesn't mean that they don't have a lot of other income streams coming in. So are they really worth like however much their stock is, has gone down? Somebody like Buffett is going to look at the numbers and decide like, hmm, maybe now it was maybe before it was a little overvalued. Maybe now it's undervalued. Maybe now is a good time to buy this versus the emotional person is like, oh, God, I've lost half my money. I'm going to sell now. And it's like, well, now you're guaranteed you're going to lose money by selling. If you'd held on, then there's still the possibility you could. Get and that's right. Back. You can so, you only you can only lose money if you sell, if you capitulate. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's it's but it's just sort of a different I think most people don't really look at what's happening with the company itself they'll look at like oh zuckerberg's lost his mind and everyone's trying to there's a rumor i heard a source that said they're trying to kick him out and it's like and okay. i and i'll and I'll, t I'll i'll give you and i think and i and i would say that almost 100 percent. this is why people do that because again we're going to your your average american they're living check by check yeah um the reason why it's emotional and because I, and I'm speaking from personal experience from yeah. when I was, when I was there, yeah. it's emotional because you're investing money you don't have. Yeah. Yeah. So you it. begin, I'll, I'll tell you the difference between Mo 2023 versus Mo 2015. <clears throat> so Mo 2015, I would read all the news. So I'd invest in something mm -hmm. and then I'd keep up to date with the yeah. news. Yeah. Right. And as soon as the news would start to like, oh, people are, you know, they're they're losing money and this company's gonna go bankrupt and they're making yeah. some bad financial decisions yeah. and everybody's selling and the you know the 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 investment is going to zero. You got to get out now. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I invested money I don't have to lose. Let me cut my losses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mo yeah. 2023, I inv I invest money that I don't even think about. Right. Yeah. I, I I I invest it and I forget it. So yeah. Nothing is going to make me capitulate no matter it could go to zero. And I already in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I was prepared for it to go to zero. Yeah. Like that's money I can afford to lose. In yeah. other words. Yeah. So there is no um, there's nothing that you can do emotionally to me that's going to drive me to to sell the investment. Yeah. Right. And that's that's I think that, you know, that's being a mature investor versus um I don't know what I would even call what other what a lot of people are doing. I mean, I guess it's investing, but I feel like they're more doing it the way somebody casually walks through a Vegas casino and it's like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll play blackjack once or I'll pull the the um, the handle on the um, the penny slots or or whatever. It's like, oh, I'm just playing the stock market a little bit. And it's like, well, you're you're kind of just you're just Vegas style gambling essentially, and you're, you're just. It is. That's what that. day trading is. Day trading is a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what it is because you could, there is no way. And even to this day, Warren Buffett doesn't, doesn't do yeah. that. He doesn't, he doesn't invest in company. And so when you have some of the greatest investors in the world, like Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, yeah. and they don't do that. Yeah. Um, then that kind of tells you everything you need to know, because till this day, there is nothing like they try to come up with all this technology, like buy this platform and yeah, this yeah. software is going to be able to predict what's going to happen. Yeah. No, no, it's not because yeah. The stock market is 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 manipulated by more than just what's happening by the numbers, right? Yeah. Like um, a dignitary could get ill 
and from another country. And that could drive the stock down on a price. And there's no way for any sort of artificial intelligence or any sort of software to predict something like that. You cannot predict the future. So therefore, you have to, well, I'm not going to say you have to, you can do whatever you want. But because the future cannot be predicted, you have to you have to invest, in my opinion, on what you know now, which is why I like the way Warren Buffett invests. He invests yeah. on the fundamentals, yeah. right? Yeah. The yeah. numbers don't lie. What's the cash coming in versus what's the cash coming out today? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, it's funny. I I, uh, I think about that a lot with the commercial stuff that I'm doing um, in terms of what do I think is fundamentally important for the the asset class that I'm in? And I always go back to freeway access. And that's maybe partially just the fact that I lived in Los Angeles for a long time. But, you know, I went out to um, Dripping Springs right before Christmas with with Chantel and the dog, like the whole family went out to (laughs) Dripping Springs and we went to P. Terry's and the dogs got burgers, too. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we we had a little family day out of it because I was telling I was going to go out there. And she's like, oh, I want to come. Like, yeah, you can come. So. And there's a bunch of uh, warehouse parks out there, which is, you know, this is a fun trip for me. I'm like, ooh, we get to look at new warehouses. And what was interesting is that, you know, Dripping Springs is already sort of out of the way in terms of it's it's pretty far southwest of Austin itself. But then the warehouse parks themselves were, there's there's 290, which is a road that goes west for, for those people who are sadly not living in our area. And the warehouse parks were like five miles off of 290. Like to the point where I'm driving, I'm like, good Lord, like this is, and and they're really nice and they're beautiful and all that. But I'm like, what kind of business is going to be this far out? Like, I mean, the only real business that they have in that area is like wedding venues and, and like Airbnbs and wineries and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, I mean, maybe. But then I think about what I have and it's like right off 35. It's got its own exit. Like 35 goes from Mexico all the way to Canada all the way through the country. And then the next thing I just made an offer on is just off 35, but it's also off 14 and 190, which goes out to Colleen to Fort Hood and all that. And there's a whole new project called um, From Forts to Ports, which is gonna go from even further west. I think it's gonna go all the way from a, uh, a fort or a military establishment in Odessa, Texas, all the way to, to Augusta, Georgia. So it's gonna go wow. all the way to the East Coast uh, east to west or west to east, but it's right by 35, which goes north to south, all the way to Canada, all the way down to Mexico. So I'm like places like this, where there's corridors of traffic that like, to me, that's a fundamental to invest in because you're, you're close, especially if you're building warehouses, it's like, you want to be close to where things are shipped. And the more I see the more condensed things of a place like Austin, where like you go up to Leander and things like that. And it's like, man, you're close to Austin, but you're not that close. You better have your stuff situated in that area. Because if it's not, trying to get that to Kyle or somewhere south or anything like that, dude, you're, you're talking like two hours. So the like, so my point with all this is that for me, the fundamental I'm realizing is transportation, is being close to a place where it's relatively easy to get on the fastest way possible to go north to south or east to west. Because that is, and, and like that's, that's as much as it's like in some, some terms, it's more of a short term play. But the other term, it's like, man, that east to west thing, that's going to take 10 years to do. 
But if I'm right by the freeway, literally freeway access, right by the exit, right by a turnaround so you can go west just as easily as you can go east, that being able to get to places relatively quickly never goes out of style. That's all logistics. That's, 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 that's a fundamental of business. It's, it's understanding one. how do you get things from A to It's not just understanding how you get things from A to B. Then at a certain point, so once you decide, okay, this is how I get from A to B. Okay, so that's where you start your business. But then as your business begins to scale up, you have to, you bring people in that's like, okay, now we want to save more money. How can we yep. be more efficient? Yes. So how can we get to A to B quicker? And yep. that's where you had like the railroads come in, right? Yep. Because we can get to A to B quicker. It's logistics. Yep. So that is a pure fundamental. America was built on this idea. The sure world is. that does business was built on this idea, idea of efficient transportation. Yep. How can my product get to from A to B as quick as possible? Yep. And, and as, as we've seen with supply chain issues and stuff like that, I think, who knows, as we said just earlier, we, we never know what the future is going to hold. But we can guess that it seems more and more businesses are starting to pull out of China. And for various reasons, I think one of the main reasons is that if you're doing business with a business in China, you're essentially doing business with the Chinese government and not everybody wants to do that now. So what I think could potentially happen is you may start having more things made in America again. You may start having like the idea of rather than relying on shipping things in from overseas, like what can we hold here? What can we build or develop here? And, you know, in Texas, we're seeing with the Samsung factory out in Taylor, that's going to make, you know, microchips or whatever. And there's more and more factories that are, that are popping up that are going to do that. That typically was something that was only done in Asia before. So, in my mind, that always means there's going to be more need for transportation because, you know, when you get these things here, they're not going to stay there. People are not going to flock to Taylor for microchips. I mean, that would be a weird tourist thing. It's like, come to Taylor. We've got ice cream. We've got floats and we've got microchips. It'll be a great <laughs> weekend. I mean, like it's no. So it's like it's got to go. It's got to it's got to transport it out there. Um, so that's my theory with all these things. Now, time will tell whether I'm right or not. Um, I certainly hope I am because I've got a lot of money invested in, in this idea, but I think that what that means to me and how that relates. And, and to, you don't even have to be, you don't have to be a hundred percent right. You, you can don't. just be enough, right? That's, that's the thing. I think that's another way of looking at with most. Cause I think, I, I think moving forward, it's always going to be a balance, a balance yeah, of so we're going to be doing, we're, we're tied internationally just the yeah. way the world is nowadays. Yeah. Um, but I think that these past few years have shown a real need of how we can't have everything yes. overseas. We got to yeah. bring some stuff back Think and like semiconductors and things like that. We saw yeah. that we were, you know, uh, and it, it stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Um, and the, the power to negotiate and where the leverage was, was not in our court. It wasn't. And, and so it'll be interesting to see sort of what happens in the future, sort of what lessons are learned from that. Um, and again, sort of bringing this back to the, the Warren Buffett idea, what's good about seeing these fundamentals, and, and I'm not, again, I could well be wrong on all this stuff, but, but in my opinion, the importance of being close to transportation hubs is then you can be confident, even if certain things, speaking of Facebook, so I told you the meta data center that was being built in Temple, all of a sudden, 
right before I was going to go to Florida, that gets um, put on hold was the official way. When I started talking to people that were involved in this project, because one of my tenants is working on that data center, they're like, oh, yeah, no, they just told us to just demo everything we've done. And I heard that. I'm like, oh, God, that means like this is just not going to happen. And so I started feeling this cascade of doubt about the entire area. I'm like, oh, my God, what have I have I overshot? Am I like am I being foolish or whatever? And then I realized I literally built those warehouses, bought the land for the next ones and doing whatever. Well, before I even knew the data center thing was happening, like I bought all that stuff before. So literally everything I bought in Temple, I bought before that even was announced that was happening. So I'm like, so I didn't make that decision based on that. It was a nice bonus. But if it went away or let's say it does go away, it's like it really isn't going to affect me that much. I mean, it'll affect my current tenant situation on one unit. But well, I, um, I think what 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 also kind of fed into your thinking of of a little bit of worry was because a lot of people do this. Um, I'm guilty of doing it all the time. When I see a big company making decisions. Yeah. You have to think that they they know more than you do. Yeah, yeah. They're smarter than you. Yep. They got more money. They got more people that do research. So yep. then you begin to speculate. Well, they know something I don't. Yes. Why are they pulling out? Yep. And so it's not necessarily Meta's pulling out and, yep. oh, I shouldn't have bought these properties because I'm yep. losing Meta. Yep. It's more like, did I bet on an area that's no good and, yep. and Meta just figured it out, but I'm yep. already stuck here. Yeah. And Here's the problem. There could be some truth to that, right. but I think here's the problem. You will never know no. why they made the decisions that they're making. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's where you're getting your, your, you start making emotional decisions. You've got to go back to the exactly. fundamentals. Yep. And, and, and that's, that's and that's what I did. So it was one of those things There was, you know, it was funny. It was right when I was going to Florida. So I'm like, Oh God, like whatever. And then I came back and I started, I went out to the Dripping Springs, I went out to other places and I'm like, I still believe that I'm making the right choice. Like I went and looked at a bunch of other stuff, looked at other things that were happening, saw the advantages, looked at the price points and I'm like, no, I still think I'm making the right choice. And as soon as I thought that, then I talked to my tenants and they're like, well, now Meta's telling us that they're going to actually build two phases instead of one. So they're just reconfiguring. And they asked us how much it would cost to leave everything in the warehouse for the next year or whatever. I'm like, all right. That's but awesome. It's like, but it's like, I don't want to get excited about that because it's like, I shouldn't have gotten worried about it before. So I can't, you know, I can't let it get dictate excited my emotions about the, either yeah, the way. Possibility now. Yeah. So, um, but you know, what's <laughs> funny going back to your, uh, you know, stock market investing analogy and Warren Buffett and all that going back to, so when people, so let's say a uh, meta pulls out, that would be the yep. time where people begin to become fearful yep. and they capitulate, they sell all their stock Yep. and right as they sell their stock, that's when meta comes back and says, Oh no, yeah. we we're just deciding we want to do it a different way. Yeah. We're still going to build here yeah. and the stock goes way up, exactly. and, but you've already, you've already made this poor emotional decision. You yeah. got to make the, the decision. And I'm speaking to myself, um, based on those fundamentals that you're yeah. using. And, yeah. that, and that's why it's a hard game because it's like, all this, you never know if you're right until years down the line. And that freezes a lot of people up. The analysis paralysis is real because you think about all the things that go wrong. They could all go wrong. Mm-hmm. But if you allow that to dictate the decision you make, in other words, if you do all this and you're like looking at the fundamentals of a place and you're using the criteria that makes sense to you and it all adds up 
and then you don't do it because of analysis paralysis, I'd say you're going to lose more often than you're going to win living life that way. If you, cause it's, it is, there is a certain gamble to it, of course, but that's everything in life. I mean, like this idea, like there's certainty but there's not, I mean, like all these things that have happened, I mean, who, you know, it's coming up on three years ago that if you had, you know, said three years ago, Hey Mo, guess what? Everyone's going to be wearing a surgical mask everywhere all the time. And you'd be like, no, no, they're not. And I'd be like, yeah, there are. And then like a month later, you'd be like, wow, he was right. I mean, there's all these things that nobody would have predicted. So if that's the only thing holding you back on, on making an investment in something, then, then to me, that's a fear worth overcoming. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. I'm, I'm very curious to see, uh, on both deals, the one in, in Belton, especially the, I, it's actually, it's funny. Cause so I, you know, the one I'm telling you, the commercial one where all this stuff's happening and guess what that property is right now. It's a mobile, I, home, it's a mobile. Home you're kidding right me. Now. So I, see, I, would, weird, I didn't want to guess because I would have never yeah, have guessed that. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so weird to me. Cause I'm like, this is interesting kind of going full circle in my life. The idea that I would buy somebody's old dealership and turn it into what I'm doing now. So that's, cra- that's, yeah. that's almost, that's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. It's kind of bizarre. So, um, so we'll see, I mean, with these things, they always take, there's always so many more moving parts and components and stuff like that. But from what I can see, there's a lot of advantages that are happening right now. That's making it very difficult for them to be able to sell it the way they're trying to do it, which to me as an investor means there's a deal there. So we'll see. I mean, we don't have it under contract yet, but I think we're we're getting close enough on price and terms and stuff like that that I think there's a deal there. So that'll be cool, man. I love it. Be cool. Again, yeah. we managed to talk about something that we yeah, did not plan to talk about, but <laughs> it was it was uh, it was meant to be. To check yeah. out uh, this podcast or our old podcast, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Check us out on Apple iTunes, like, review, subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life podcast. I'm Mo, that's my brother Carter, and as always, we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the map. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.